Welcome to Healing for the Soul podcast, with this being season number four, episode number 53. I am your host, Robin Stoltman, and today I have a returning guest, which I'm excited about, Lawrence Rook, who is on the show talking about different aspects of not just the financial, like what we talked about last time, but also about chronology. And before we get started, remember every week I feature different guests to help you become the best version of yourself through different methods you may not have heard of or thought of. So let's get started. Thank you so much, Lawrence, for returning. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Robin. Great to be back. So what is your specialty? I know you've got a lot of different ones. So yeah, my uh, day job, so to speak, is I work as a chirologist. And what I do as a chirologist is I study people's hands in relation to their psychology, their personality, their emotions, and looking at things like people's strengths, their weaknesses, their motivations, relationships, things like this. That's really interesting. Like one thing that I just like came to my mind was, is that like through a picture? Like, like you just like take a picture of somebody's hand or do you actually like look at their hand and see like the different lines or how does that exactly work yeah so i have a private practice in which i will see people uh face to face but because it's a very unusual um job and i'm quite sort of um i put a lot of information out about the subject people come and see me from all over the world and i can do it through photographs yeah they have to be detailed photographs but yeah I, as long as i can see the fingerprints i'm in oh so it's even the fingerprints you use too yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking at all different um, kind of markers, shapes, fingers. Um, the technical word is biomarkers. So for example, the fingerprints are very interesting. They actually develop in the first trimester of pregnancy and they form from the same ectodermal layer of skin as what the brain and the nervous system forms from. So what it means is that the fingerprints are very linked to the brain and the nervous system. So what's going on in someone's brain and essentially their their their, their whole body um, can be read to a degree through the fingerprints. And there's lots of interesting scientific research on this, which correlates fingerprints with mental health conditions or personality types and things like this. I think the forensic need to be using it that way. I'm just yeah, like the first thing right. I think about like the fingerprints, like everybody's like, you know, like for the forensic part of it. But no, that's amazing. I didn't, I don't, I don't know how many people actually know that about for the fingerprints. Because I know no, they're very identical few. twins. Do identical twins even have, don't they have separate um, fingerprints too, if I remember right? Wasn't the only that's distinguishing correct. between? That's correct. And um, sort of mainstream sort of science doesn't quite understand why exactly identical twins have got lots of different fingerprints and there are different theories as to why and in my opinion none of them are particularly compelling um but yeah the fingerprints are a real mystery and the amount of information encoded in these unique pads that everyone has is really miraculous and you know i can spend 30 minutes just talking to somebody about their fingerprints and all the ways it's going to impact their career their personal life, their relationships, things like this. Wow, that's awesome. Because like I've taken like the handwriting analysis. So I have like I understand like the handwriting and oh my gosh, that is not wrong at all. I mean, the only yeah. thing you can't tell about somebody's handwriting is their age, sex, or the future in the handwriting. But now I'm yeah. thinking, okay, well then you add that with something like that, like the palm and like the, the reading, it's like 
So is that really accurate as well, like the handwriting is? Yeah, well, I haven't actually studied uh, graphology, which is the handwriting one. But um, I mean, um, logically, I would imagine it would be very accurate because <clears throat> everything is an expression of ourselves and everything reveals deeper truths about our nature and our personality and our existence. So if somebody is an expert on body language, they could tell you lots of information about the way you're sitting right now or the way that I'm sitting right now. And if somebody like myself has studied the hands, then I can tell lots of information about how somebody holds their thumb and what angle their little finger is at. And then if somebody studied handwriting, they can tell lots and lots of information about how they cross their T's and, you know, the loops under their F's and things. That's that's true. I, I understand that part now. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, when I learned that there was 450 ways just to cross the T, I'm like, okay, that's a lot. That's a lot more than yeah. I thought. That was yeah. Just, Oh. Yeah. So then how does that work? Like, is that similar to like the palm reading? Because like when you're talking about like the cryology and you're using um, the hand, does that use like the backside too or just the front when you're doing it? And is it like the palm reading then? Yeah, well, there are aspects of it that are like palm reading in the sense that you're um, obtaining information from your hands, you know, the distal appendage. Um, and palmistry has got a very, very long history and almost every culture has got a history of divination of some sort from the hands. The difference between palmistry and what I do is that what I do is much more psychological and character logical, meaning I'm not looking to try and predict the future. I'm much more looking at who you are as a person right now, what you can do with your life, the way you are, how you can make choices that benefit you, how you can develop yourself to be a more grounded, more balanced, more whole, more spiritual person, how you can find the most fulfillment in a career, what partner best suits you. So it's really much more about um, somebody taking control and understanding themselves. Huh. That's more like the solution base then versus like the palm reading that if I understand correct. Yeah, I mean, I think if you think about palmistry when it was around, so go back 500 years, you know, people were very suspicious in those times. So True. they were looking for answers. And if they went to see a palmist, you know, they would want to know, are they going to have a husband that dies at sea? And, you know, are they going to have five or six kids or whatever oh, it is? Yeah. <laughs> and this is a sort of thing that people were kind of conscious of at that that time you know nowadays people are becoming much much more self-aware people are very interested in their own psychology people want to develop themselves they want to know more about who they are they ask questions about meaning and purpose they want value in their work and career and they want fulfillment so this is the sort of thing that I analyze this is the sort of thing that's most important and relevant to people nowadays and the hand is just a tool for giving an interface for these things. And there are many reasons why, you know, one of them is that the fingerprints are very linked to the brain, the lines on the hand are related to the nervous system also, the finger lengths are related to hormones. So when you're looking at the hand, you're looking at all these different expressions. Um, 
but ultimately the hand is a representation of who you are and uh, it's just a little microcosm of the whole that's really interesting i, yeah, I like amazing. that like one of the like one of the things that i was told i don't know if it's true or not but like the ring finger on the left hand side that if it's shorter then like so, like a little bit more shorter like mine are here um that mm -hmm. this would mean like my mom had um had more of like she's feeding more off of me for like the insulin like the sugar so then i'd be mm -hmm. more prone to have hypoglycemia mm -hmm. i don't know if that's true but mm -hmm. i was like i was looking at him like well let's see if that is true then that would mean yeah because it's like i had that um hypoglycemic i've had those reactions but then i thought well i don't know if that's true or not so mm -hmm. do you know like if that's true necessarily because you mentioned like the lengths of the fingers yeah so there is um, a huge literature really on finger length and the primary research and the primary kind of theories within science that have been um, explored and propagated is that the digit ratio which is what you're referring to the the relative lengths of the third finger and the index finger relates to estrogen and testosterone levels so what you were just displaying there is the typical estrogen uh, finger length and if you look at my fingers I've got a larger third finger which is the typical testosterone finger length so it's more common for men to have it this way around and it's more common for females to have it the other way around there's lots of interesting research to show that men with higher testosterone as measured by their fingers are going to be um, slightly more aggressive they're going to be more assertive they can um, be um, higher performing athletes they might get further in a workplace and de de uh, display lots of these kind of testosterone traits and then on the other side if a female has got a large index finger larger than other types then they're going to have more estrogen related um, talents or skills or traits and Things. So this would be things like um, language skills and uh, verbal communication. Um, but that, Robin, would just be one line of analysis from these fingers. And I would go actually a lot That's deeper awesome. and start to look at things like um, the index finger as relating to someone's sense of themselves and who they are. And therefore, it becomes their finger of dominance, of um, control and of responsibility and things like this. So, yeah lots to That's think about awesome. yeah it's that really is so cool. awesome because <laughs> i'm just like thinking to myself I'm, I'm just like thinking like that is um i like learning these different things if you can't tell i'm like i love learning different um not just the tools but it's like learning from other people about mm -hmm. these different things that i'm like i had no clue existed like i had yeah. no clue that a chorologist was I didn't even know what the term was. I had no clue about any of it until you were on here last time talking about the financial aspect. And then I'm like, I got to thinking because I, I apply a lot of the things that I learned from other people on the podcast because otherwise it's like, well, what's the point of doing it? You know, like if I'm not mm. applying, you know, like learning and applying. So that was one of the things that I got to thinking from the last time that when you were on the show was about how when you were talking about like the financial part of how like the money aspect that we need to hold on to like that gold and the silver and the crypto so this way the central banks they really don't have that they can't go up they can't do the inflation thing like the current dollar bill is and i was wondering would that play in like our hands then too 
or they're just going to mm-hmm. be two separate things as far as would we be good at investing depending mm-hmm. upon our hands or is that just one of those out there type things? Yes. So um, the short answer would be yes. You, you definitely can see people that would have an inclination um, and specific talents for making money. Um, and it, it really comes down to what somebody values. And I can look at someone's hand and quite comfortably see what's kind of most important to them in life. So for example, it's very easy for me to identify somebody who loves art and loves to be creative. You know, that's going to show up as a pattern quite quickly. It's also going to be very quickly from, uh, easy for me to see somebody who loves to work with people and loves to have conversations or somebody who is a scientist and loves to have ideas um, or somebody that's um, very good at business. And then somebody that's really good at uh, making money, for example, would kind of relate to that business type thing. So it's really about um, what somebody values often. And if somebody is really, really creative, then very often they put their creativity or being in a play or being an actor or an actress, you know, for them, their art is the most important thing. So they're probably not going to put 100% of their energy into trying to make money. Whereas if I look at someone's hand and they've got a businessman's hand and, you know, they're a sharp, quick thinker that's good at summarizing things and very good at um, understanding people and um, can kind of cut through any nonsense, then you kind of know that that person could be very well off and quite successful because that's where their interest lies. So I think it's really about... um, It's kind of about personality, but then if somebody is a creative artistic type, that doesn't mean they can't be good at investing. It just means they might need to work at it a little bit harder, or they might need to read some books which they've never read before, or they've never been interested in before. Um, But then just to relate it back to the whole financial system now, I mean, the reason I got interested in this whole financial crisis essentially is because this affects everyone. And um, I've always been a therapist and I've never paid much attention to finances. But right now, everybody needs to pay attention to finances, whether they're interested in them or not. It's um, far too important a time in history not to be really aware of what's going on with inflation, um, with money printing, uh, with devaluing of currency. You know, this this affects everybody, which is why um, I wrote a book recently about it. And it's an intro for everyone to understand what's going on and how to protect themselves. Well, yeah, I know I read some of your book already about what you were talking about for like the financials. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, you've hit a lot of things like dead center on the financial aspect. And when we were talking last time too, it's like there was a couple of people that are asking me questions and I'm like, after you and I talked, I'm like, hold on to the money. Hold on to the old coins. Do not let them go because I'm like, because like literally I got to thinking that if we want to be able to buy bread, for example, and now the dollar bill is worth a whole penny, I'm like, and bread costs $20. Well, that $20, it's not going to be $20. That, that $1 bill is only worth a penny. I'm going to need a whole lot of pennies just to get that $20, you know, to be able to buy yeah. that bread. 
but I'm like, it'd be so much easier if I had to hold on to that old coin in order just to buy that bread that I needed. Hmm. So I can see like how the financial shift is happening. I don't know for yeah. sure if it's an exact shift though. Like the people that already are in the poverty, like the scarcity mindset. Now, if they don't invest, for example, they don't invest in crypto. They don't have old coins. They don't do any of those things. I'm just thinking down the road, the way things are going, that maybe it's a possibility that they would end up dying off because they wouldn't be able to eat. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a really tragic situation that lots of people find themselves in, and it's, it's deeply concerning. Um, but there are definitely things that people can do to uh, really start benefiting from what's going on. And um, three really great things two great things really that everyone can do is start to buy and put their money into silver because silver across time it holds and grows its value yeah so silver is real money so what we have at the moment is not real money it's paper it's fake yeah and then this is yes. why central banks can just print more of it and create inflation but you can't really create silver inflation because you know, you can't just suddenly increase the silver supply load. So I highly recommend that everybody, um, you know, holds onto their silver jewelries and um, maybe get some silver coins uh, from, uh, from, from, from um, bullion dealers. And as you said, very old coins, you know, coins um, from sort of 50 years ago. And so they contain bits of silver in and that would be valuable because there's silver in those coins. And that's what makes the old coins valuable. And then the other um, two options I think are very important for people is, if possible, buy, buy a little bit of gold if they have any savings. Money in a bank is very risky. Um, people sometimes don't appreciate the risks of keeping money in a bank, but we've seen very recently just in Canada, um, the government has been freezing people's banks. And in Australia last year with the pandemic, um, they were taking money from people's banks and um, it's very easy to have people's bank accounts frozen. And once money is in a bank, it's the bank's. It's not yours anymore. So the bank owes it to you. And if the bank says, sorry, we haven't got it, or actually we need it to pay something else, or we need it to bail ourselves in, then people can lose all of their life savings. So what I would advocate is if people have got savings in a bank, seriously think about putting some of that into gold and putting that into silver, because you are the ones who then own it and gold goes up over time silver goes up over time but dollars as you correctly said robin they go down over time and an ounce of gold now is always going to be valuable in 10 years but 20 dollars that's not going to be valuable in 10 years that might not even be able to buy you a loaf of bread so better change that 20 dollars now for a silver coin because then in 10 years time that silver coin will be able to buy you you know 20 loaves of bread or something or, or way more. Yeah. Well, bread was like the best example I could think of. Cause I remember when I was a little girl growing up, like the first time I got like the actual concept of, of money was I remember when bread was like 89 cents or you could buy bread mm. for 99 cents a loaf. And nowadays mm. it's not that at all. No. And like I went to, no. I went to Walmart yesterday to even get deodorant, And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, the prices are above $10 for one stick. Mm. And I'm like, mm. and, and this is what we're supposed to be 
pink and that's for like the aluminum free kind and mm. i'm like um how does this make any sense so when i seen those prices i'm just like everything's just going up and then i'm it's like terrifying oh, God, yeah it is and yeah. it's not like it's expensive but it's like it's one of those things that's really making me think, okay, long-term, how can I protect my family? I think that's what more of this is about yeah. is protecting our families. Completely. Cause I think the yeah. government is. So falling. I was going to say that like, the government's like falling apart is what it is. And we're seeing it happen very rapidly. Yeah. yeah and um, you know, you don't want to be reliant on the government really. And people need to take responsibility for their own wealth in the same way that I'm sure you would advocate people take responsibility for their own health and they don't yes. just, you know, listen to the mainstream, you know, you, you've really got to be in control of your life. And um, in terms of passing money on to our kids and um, retaining wealth through time, the way to retain wealth through time is you have to put your wealth into things that don't devalue and dollars, pounds yen euros whatever currency it is they all devalue so at this time in history you know it's critical that people don't think saving money in dollars is going to be a long-term strategy because inflation will just completely wipe away the value of those dollars so it's got to be really you know Obviously, if they can buy a house, fantastic. If they can buy land, fantastic. But aside from that, gold, silver, and then the other one is Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is this cryptocurrency. And um, everybody has heard of Bitcoin really now, I think. But um, it's becoming so important because what Bitcoin is, is it's something that's decentralized, meaning there isn't a single entity that owns it. It's not owned by a government. It's not owned by um, a corporation. And... Bitcoin has a fixed supply, which means there's only 21 million, which means it can't be tampered with. You can't have a government inflating it. You can't have a central bank printing more Bitcoin. So if you have one Bitcoin or if you have half a Bitcoin or if you have 0 0.0001 of a Bitcoin, you hold that and then that number never changes. That's always going to be worth 0 0.001 of a Bitcoin or whatever it is, whereas a dollar they all just get printed, more come about, it gets inflated, it gets messed around with. And um, agents at the top of systems can completely control that monetary system. So Bitcoin is unique in that nobody else can tamper with it. And then you own it. And I believe that across time, Bitcoin will prove to be um, an extremely valuable asset. And very interestingly, actually, Robin, what we've seen with the raw, with the war that's going on in um russia between russia and ukraine at the moment is that the local currency in russia has really crashed because of the war and people wow. are liquidating their assets and um basically people have lost faith in the russian currency so the currency is going down in value but as the russian currency the ruble has gone down the bitcoin price has gone up about 20 percent and this is partly because lots of russian people are putting their money into Bitcoin because it's safer. And also the people who are in Ukraine and they're having to flee Ukraine, they've had their bank accounts closed or their credit cards aren't going to work in a different country. But when they've put their money into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, they can take it anywhere. 
So they then become sovereign and are able to move around with their wealth without a government or a bank or a country taking it away. So this is definitely something I think it's so important that people look into um, at this time. Yeah, now that I'm thinking more about it, you know, long term, I'm just like, because um, I know like the Bitcoin, it goes up and it goes down. And that's the part that I'm like, well, is it even worth putting in money into it, knowing that it goes up and then it goes down? But then when he said about like that point zero zero one, you'll always have that point zero zero one, no matter what the cost is. And that's the part that Correct. I don't understand is myself is it can go. Yeah, down. Well, yeah. So we're measuring it. The Bitcoin is measured in dollars. So that's why it appears to go up and down. But in terms of the total supply of Bitcoin, if you've got 0.001 Bitcoin, you still always got that 0.001 of the total supply. And um, the market value of Bitcoin will go up and down depending on how much people um, pour their money into it. But the way to think about it is think about it over a year period. So don't think about it month by month. Think about it year by year. And since Bitcoin came out, over 10 years ago it's gone up actually every single year in value only one year it didn't and the average it's gone up over a year is 200 percent each year which means that if you picked any year other than one to put a hundred dollars into bitcoin by the end of that year it would have been worth 200 and then by the end of the next year it would have been worth 400 and then by the end of the next year it would have been worth 800 so i think really the most sensible thing to do um, in a safe way, if someone wanted to invest in Bitcoin, is to put $20 a week or $20 a month, whatever they can afford into it. And that way, they just slowly, slowly saving money. And where else are they going to put that money? Don't put it in a bank. You know, yeah. it's not it's, it's not sensible to have it all in the bank. And what's going to be worth more in 10 years time? 0. 0.00001 of a Bitcoin or $20. So that's what you have to yeah, ask yourself. Bitcoin. And if you exactly because the dollar's going down and bitcoin's going up so just swap them now swap dollars for bitcoin swap dollars for silver swap dollars for gold and then just wait two or three years and then you'll be in such a great position that's one of those things i'm like i wish i had enough money to buy all the bit to not buy all the bitcoin but to buy a lot of the bitcoin i notice like a lot of the wealthy people they're like um we're buying as much bitcoin as we can right now that one thing I have yeah. noticed, like a lot of the wealthy are, they're ditching the dollars, literally for the Bitcoin. And like Ethos yeah. is like the other one, they're Ethereum or something like that it is. That's right. They yeah, call it Ethereum. Ethos for short. Yeah, yeah, ETH, Ethereum. Yeah, that's the one. So that's another cryptocurrency. It's a different premise um, to Bitcoin. It's a totally different utility. Um, it's a bit of a deeper dive to kind of explain it. But um, yeah, it's got a lot of potential to change the way that we use the internet um, and the way in which we interact with things. So um, it's kind of like, it's Ethereum is like investing in a technology, really. Um, if people want to buy some of that, it's kind of like, oh yeah, well, this is a new way in which the internet might run. And that would be um, a way to think about it. Um, yeah. Well, that's good to know. So. Overall, what would be like the best, like the top financial advice that you could give? And I, I know it's not like a hundred percent sure, like nothing is. Yeah, of course. Um, but what one would you say out of like what your knowledge is in relation mm. to 
the cryptocurrency, if a person can't get a hold mm. of those old silver and the and the gold, what would mm. be the best for a person to invest in as far as the crypto world goes? Okay, yeah. So yeah, I'll answer that question, but just to put a little caveat in front of it, in terms of like financial advice and things, it's always about um, someone's own personal preference. It's all about their own well-being. It's all about their own independence, their own sovereignty, what's best for them in their situation, etc. their risk tolerance, whatever it is. Um, but I would say almost undoubtedly within crypto, the safest one is Bitcoin for, for many, many reasons. Um, but with almost every other cryptocurrency, there's um, big question marks that could occur either through regulation or there might be other competition that overtakes it or um, it's not as decentralized, you know, lots of these different issues. But with Bitcoin, it's really the only one that could probably be claimed to be truly decentralized. Um, and also in terms of regulation, the American government and many others around the world seem to be totally fine with Bitcoin, whereas with other cryptocurrencies, they don't like them so much and they might try to um, stop people people owning them and things. So yes, someone who doesn't know much about this, they can download an app on their phone and they can start buying Bitcoin from an app on their phone. Um, and that's a very sensible thing to do. It's riskier not to. <laughs> the risk is not doing that. Well, that's that's very, very helpful because it's, it's one of those things, like I said a little bit before about the show, it's like, I'm really learning to apply everything from different people that have been on the show just because I'm like, one, I either don't want to take the time or two, I'm like, I'm already learning so many other things. I just want to learn from other people and then go home and apply it in everyday life just because it's like, I'm just trying to think long term. And I know a lot of these things are going to be happening. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and be SOL without anything to provide for my family. Hmm. And I think that's an important um, aspect because like vehicles, they even go down. They go down in price. Hmm. They don't go up. They go down. So that's what I'm thinking. Hmm. A lot of things, they just keep going down. But trying to find that really Correct. stable, yeah. that's been, that's where this has been very eye-opening for me that I really appreciate everything that you've, that you've been on, you know, the last time and then now today, it's just for me. It means a lot because I want to be able to help people like you do, mm. like you even said about be able to help people with their financial to be financial sovereign away from everything that's going on. Yeah, because the system's trying to take that away from people. The system is stealing people's time. It's stealing their lives and it's squeezing them so hard that they can't make a living. So I really like the way in which you're thinking, Robin. I think it's the correct mindset to have, thinking long-term. And the question then is, what can I put my money to, into now that will then be worth more in five years? You can't put it into yes. a car because a car's not going to be worth more in five years. You know, you can't put yes. it into dollars because dollars aren't going to be worth more in five years. So we come back to gold, silver, and Bitcoin, which is something that everybody can have access to. So like with 50 cents... Like 50 cent pieces and like the, well, the $2 bills. I know they don't make the $2 bills anymore, but mm. like stuff like that, would that be better to invest in or not? If it's, if it's got silver in it. Yeah. But if it's, if it's made of nickel or tin, 
or it's not a precious metal, then it's not going to be worth anything either. Yeah. How does a person know it, what they're made out of? Um, you can go back in history and have a look at when they were minting coins, what they were using in that date. So if you had a coin that was from 1935, you know, um, it would most likely be a silver coin, as, as, as far as my understanding would go, um, of, of how the US minted coins. Um, but if you had a coin that was made in 2010, it's not going to be silver. There's going to be no silver no. in it. So when you think about coins, the objective unless you're an expert, um, would be get them because of they because they have silver in, because it's the silver quantity in those coins that's valuable. Unless you know what you're talking about, and then you'll be looking for what's called the numismatic value, which is like the rarity of a coin. But you know, you have to be an expert to know what that means. Yeah. I'm not gonna go down that road. I'll just stick with yeah, mindset. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just stick with that. That that's yeah. That's and once enough. you understand I mean... what and once you understand how the game is played you know then you can choose to opt in and opt out and the game is very simple you have central bankers and governments that control the money system and they create inflation they create inflation because it makes everybody poorer and it makes them richer and you know the you know the effects of inflation mm -hmm. you know you go to walmart as you say and how do you feel do you feel richer or do you feel poorer you feel poorer so yes. then the question is how do you get out of that money system? And the answers are very simple. Buy stuff that's valuable that governments don't control. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And then hope that nobody takes it from you. Hey, well, it's either going to be somebody else taking it from you or it's going to be the government coming to take your dollars. <laughs> true. True. That is very, very, very true. I'm just yeah. like... Like I said, my main thing is I'm just trying to plan ahead and then trying to teach other people. It's um, better to think long term. But I've always thought it long term. And, completely. Yeah. And to me, but I'm like, is it better to think short or long term? And I'm like, eh, maybe long. Well, the problem is as well is that, you know, when inflation is happening so fast, people can't think long term because they're panicking to, to survive in the moment. You know, when you go to Walmart and you see the prices of stuff has doubled or gone up 30%, you can't think long term because it puts you in a no. state of panic and fear and it's very, very hard to survive. So this is why it's like um, people have to just understand and trust the method of stacking silver, putting, putting their wealth into gold and putting their wealth into Bitcoin because that is their insurance policy. They are now insured. If you've got a bit of gold and it's safe in your home, if you've got a, a few silver coins, you know, then that is your insurance. And if the whole money system keeps on inflating and there's and there's chaos and people can't buy food, you've got insurance. And your insurance is some gold jewelry, some silver coins, and some Bitcoin. And nobody can take your Bitcoin. That's very, very difficult to do because you have the password for it. So people can't people True. can't steal it. Yeah. And it's very encrypted. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they have to break into your into like your your hard wallet and things. So, yeah. Yeah. And there are ways to store it safely, which I discuss in my book and stuff. So, yeah. Power to the people with all of this. Yes. It's it's kind of refreshing to know that all of, that a lot of us as a whole are coming up just to say, hey, enough is enough of the, of the government systems because they're not working. No, no. And it's, a, it's always the same. It's people who are the poorest who get hit the hardest. 
and um, these government systems are so often presented as um, humanitarian and presented as they're going to help everyone and you know we're, we're for the little guy and it's absolute nonsense um, people need to take control of their lives people need to take control of their health and their wealth and um, don't trust in the government that don't trust you know anything you know tr trust yourself and um, you can totally be sovereign of of, of your own well-being well I have enjoyed this conversation again with you so much. So Lawrence, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you to be able to say, Hey, I want to know more. What's the yeah, best absolutely. way? So my website is lawrencerook.com. Um, and my book can be found there. Um, it can also be found on Amazon. There's audio books and things. And of course people can get in contact with me for a chirology reading as well. Awesome. I'm thinking like the chirology myself, but I'm like, I already know that I'm a helper. <laughs> that one's kind of like, I'm better at the helping, the, the financial, I got to learn. I'm just saying that's one of the things that I'm just like, I have to learn. It's especially with everything going on. I've been forced to learn within the last, since Biden took over, I'm like, I have to learn financials. It didn't mean nothing to me as much before, but now I'm like, oh yeah. That's why I'm like, let's learn about this. Let's learn about what can I do to long-term because nobody needs to be going through what I've, what I've gone through financially, you know, like being on disability, nobody needs to have that kind of life. They, you can only earn so much money and they take it and stuff like that. And it's not good. That's something no. that other people don't typically know is that when I'm as being on disability, I'm only limited to $1,100 a month total. My entire family, doesn't matter how many kids I've got, that's all I'm limited to, to having. Hmm. And then it's like, and then there's people that want to be on it. And I'm like, you're dumb. Stay away from it. I'm trying to get off of it for that reason. Because it, it, you can't live, I can't buy a house. I can't do any of that stuff. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah, that's why this is like really talking with you last time and then now now today i'm just like it's really igniting that passion that fire and i'm enjoying it because i'm like yes i'm gonna break through it and i'm gonna show other people kind of like what you like you've been mm. doing mm. so that's it i just yeah and I you'll do it you've got the attitude that's it yeah that, that's about 95 percent of that battle <laughs> yeah well, i've I appreciate everybody's time and energy for being able to listen to Lawrence and I again on Healing for the Soul podcast. And thank you for your time and your energy. And thank you so much, Lawrence, for being here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Robin.